Dinner for a Treat today. We started doing this a couple years back where we take the last Sunday of the year and I call it five good minutes. Come on up here, guys. Get your chairs. Come up here. Um, and I have the staff share with us, the church, five good minutes of what they learned over this year, of uh, what they learned about God, about themselves, what they kind of went through, what God took them through. And so we're all going to sit up here on the stage. Come on, patient. We're all going to sit up here on the stage. We've got chairs. And pass the mic down the row. And you get to hear five good minutes uh, from each one of us. And I've told them, I'm going to put them on the, on the timer. And when their five minutes is up, I'm cutting them off. Uh, and if they don't go five minutes, we're just going to stare at them and make them feel really, really, really uncomfortable. No, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let them go. Let me get out of the way here. I'm sitting right in the middle here. Um, go ahead, patient. Or, uh, what's your name, Charlie? Here. Rick is after a patient. You're right here. Okay. Rick, you're right here. Then we're going to write it down a row. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, exci I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. Um, I don't really know what uh, everybody's going to say. And so we'll figure that out as we go. Do we have a microphone? We got one down there? All right. Um, my hope in this is a couple things. One is that uh, the church realizes, again, um, that uh, we go through it just like you go through it, uh, that there are real uh, life issues, real struggles, real celebrations, um, and we oftentimes have the same emotions and the same um, difficulties dealing with life as it happens upon us at times, it feels. So one, it's, it's just we're just kind of tearing, pulling the, the curtain back and letting you see a little bit of us. My goal also is that stories communicate things that lessons do not. Uh, and so through the stories of our lives, you find your story uh, and something connects, not just with the story, but with the God behind the story. Do you understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? So, um, before we get started, let me pray one more time. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these guys who are up here uh, and for their vulnerability and authenticity. And Father, I pray that you'd help us get out of the way uh, and you would help us not to be overly guarded, but that you would help us to be real and authentic about the struggles and the successes of our faith and following you. And ultimately, God, how good you are and have been and in faith will continue to be. So I pray right now, as Paul prayed, that we would have that same desire, Father, that the eye, you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better and that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to know the hope to which you've called us the glorious inheritance in the saints, and to know firsthand the experience of your incredibly incomparable power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. May that be ours. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. Let, 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 let me preface it with this too. As I was thinking back on this year, uh, this has been a year of profound 
transition for every one of us. Like we have gone through things in this year. I go down the road. The Stimples dealt with, with your mom. Stage four cancer in her lungs that showed up in her brain. And the fear of that. And the incredible working of God to go back, get checkup, and have it all gone. It just it doesn't happen. Yeah. Miranda, the stress that you have been through in this year. You bought your first home, had your first baby, took on this job. I mean, it's just it's just profound. The things, the stress that you've been been working under and working with. Patient, before patient became part of our church, when I was just kind of knowing him from the periphery, he came back from Africa with an unknown, undiagnosed illness that sequestered him in isolation in the hospital for how many days? Two weeks. That they had no idea what it was, and what they finally said it was what? They still don't know. All of a sudden, it just got better. Until yesterday, they didn't know. So maybe we'll find out tomorrow. It's just like, I mean, Rick, you've, you've had your, your youngest one graduate now, right? Like, and so what's next? It, it's, it's just, it's a, new, it's, a new, it's a new world for you. Charlie, you've been through it. Not just this year, but a lot of years. Uh, and this year started really, really, really difficult. Um, and Heather, you guys sold your house and moved out here, and your your daughter started high school. Yep. Our youngest graduated and went off to school, became empty nesters, became grandparents. Our year started really bad, too. Um, Showing through radiation. There were just all kinds of stuff. It just... Um, the guy I served in ministry with longer than anybody else I've ever served with decided to go do other things. Just, you understand what I'm saying? There's just a lot of, it's life, right? It's a lot of tumultuous. And so, here's what we learned in five good minutes. Yeah, we joked uh, as we were talking about what we were going to say today. I joked and told Carl, I just said, I'm just going to grab the mic and say, well, it was a year. <laughs> because, yeah, what, what, what he said, I mean. Things that you can hear in church, we hear them all the time, ideas, things that come straight out of the Bible. And on Sunday mornings, we can sit here and we can nod and yes, that, yes, I agree. Yes, that makes sense. Yes, that sounds reasonable. And then you go out and you start to do life and, you, and something says, this is not what God was talking about when he said things like, my ways are not 
your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. We hear that on Sunday morning. We go, oh, yes, absolutely, because he's so good, and he knows all the good things he has in store for me, and I don't know them, and they're going to be this big surprise, like on Christmas morning when you open a gift, and it's like, whoa. And then there's the things that you think somehow fall outside that boundary. And this was a year, I mean, there, was a lot of, there were a lot of good things, but there were a lot of things that made me think this, this somehow is, is not, not one of those things. Um, I remember talking to Jen just a couple of weeks ago, and she said, I remember sitting at, at one of the soccer games, one of the girls' soccer games, and your mom was there, and uh, I remember thinking, wow, that cough doesn't sound good. The cough sounds weird. And it ended up being stage four lung cancer, and it metastasized into her brain. And I watched her go through chemotherapy. And like Carl said, she's in remission right now. That was great. I also watched my wife, Jennifer, her stepmom, deal with pancreatic cancer and lose that battle this year. There are those things that come at you that you think somehow fall outside of God's jurisdiction, and he somehow had his back turned. And you go, God, you dropped the ball on that one. I know I hear it on Sunday morning that you're all powerful, that you, you know, nothing falls outside your jurisdiction. And when it's 72 and fluorescent, we can believe that, that. But when we go out and it is not that, and the implementation starts, you know, we've joked before, and I tell this to the, the high school students all the time, this is like the classroom instruction, and then you leave here and that's your lab work out there. You know, you go into the lab. And you've got your lab coat on, and you've got your goggles on, and stuff starts flying at you, and stuff gets on you, and you try to get it off, and, and it, sometimes it doesn't come off, or it doesn't come off that easy. Um, and one of the things we talked about, don't you guys hate it when somebody says, don't get your hopes up? That was one of the last youth groups, we, it was one of the lessons that we did with the junior hires and with the high schoolers, and how irritating it is when somebody says, don't get your hopes up. I want to smack those people, you know? It's like, I'm excited about this. I want to get my hopes up. And I think one of the most irritating things about that is sometimes those people in my mind, it, it, when I'm alone with my thoughts, they end up being right. You know, I was like, ah, they said, don't get your hopes up. And the way it looks right now, they were right. I shouldn't have got my hopes up. And one of the things we talked about was Getting your hopes up is not a, not getting your hopes up is not a very biblical principle. God wants us to get our hopes up. And one of the things we talked about was not just getting our hopes up, but getting our hopes right, getting our hopes correct. Uh, Paul tells the church in Thessalonica, he says, there are things in life that cause you to grieve. There is no getting around that. There are things in life that will cause you to grieve. And Paul says, but... We don't grieve like those who have no hope. So don't just get your hopes up, get your hopes right. And that is one of the things that God has been, I mean, like dragging me by my feet as my nails make marks into the ground. He, he says, trust me, get your hopes right. You don't grieve like those who have no hope. Throughout the year, it's been a theme over and over and over again. So I don't know where I am at five minutes, but that's... <laughs> All right, Miranda, you're on the clock. Okay, good morning. You'll have to forgive me. I have to look down because if I don't organize my thoughts, I'm going to start rambling. Okay. So it was a really, really good year. I had a healthy first pregnancy. We bought our first home. 
We had an awesome year in kids' ministry. I mean, seriously, we have a playground being built out there. How cool is that? Um, I have a beautiful baby boy. But in the midst of those blessings, I also fought some of the hardest battles with fear and anxiety and stress I've ever experienced. The fear and anxiety really started last year when I was given news by my doctor that it may be difficult to get pregnant. Um, I've never known frustration and fear, like the possibility of not being able to start a family, especially during a time when many of our closest friends and family were already starting their own. It was a dream Joe and I had talked about since before we were married, and a dream that I've had since for as long as I can remember. I've always wanted to be somebody's mom. It's often in times of fear and unknown that drives us to seek God. And if you're anything like me, Prayer hasn't been something that comes naturally, especially out loud. But Joe and I started praying together every night. And it was this time last year that I found out I was pregnant. In fact, I can hardly remember what I talked about in five good minutes last year because it took everything in me not to say, I'm pregnant up here on the stage. <laughs> I'd like to say that I was overcome with joy and the fear and anxiety I'd felt went away, but actually it was quite the opposite. I was, of course, excited but also the unknown of becoming a parent for the first time in pregnancy alone was just overwhelming. I again turned to prayer. Some of you may not know this, but last year Joe and I did what all good millennials do and we decided to save money by living in a tiny house. We invested in a travel trailer and lived in that while we saved for our first home. Half the responses we got to that was, wow, that's really awesome. And the other were like, you're crazy. Um, but honestly, I really do miss those days with you, Joe. We knew we wanted to plant our roots here in the ranches, but the opportunity didn't really seem to present itself. My underlying anxiety seemed to grow with my pregnant belly, and our tiny home seemed even tinier. But we remained in prayer, always praying over our baby, our future, our marriage, and our finances. I was five months pregnant when we found the house. After walking into the house for the first time, we stood in what is now our master bedroom and we prayed out loud with our realtor. Thank you, Lisa. I'll never forget that moment. Anyone who has bought or sold a house knows that that process doesn't happen without a lot of prayer. Am I right, Heather? <laughs> So many times I thought, there's no way this is going to happen. They're, they wouldn't accept our offer. They're, the money wouldn't be there. There was always some kind of mountain in our way. So I prayed for mountains to move. I repeated Matthew 17, 20 over and over. And then I had the realization after serving almost two years in children's ministry that this verse definitely was made for adults. Only adults would have such little faith. Kids have this amazing ability that to have this matter-of-fact faith in Jesus, and adults remain skeptical and anxious and fearful even after seeing blessings pour into our lives. Even with what felt like little faith, I continued to pray, and mountains did move in our life, and those fears that overcame me for much of the year turned out to be lies. Pregnancy happens, and I am somebody's mom. And we got into our first home in the community we are proud to raise our child in. The biggest lesson God taught me this year interestingly came from our MOPS um, 
theme for the year, which is John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have been so incredibly blessed this year, and unfortunately so much of the joy I could have felt in the moment was stolen by fear and stress and anxiety. My goal for 2020 is to continue to grow in prayer and be joyful even in the unknown. Thank you for the opportunity to lead your kids. It's their unwavering faith that grounds my own. Miranda, that was fantastic. You did great. Um, It's my joy to get to walk with our staff through all this stuff. Uh, And I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of them. Uh, I didn't do a good job of introducing, in case you don't know, Jeff on the end who started. That's Jeff Stemple. He kind of runs all of our youth stuff and a lot of other things that fall into his lap. Miranda handles all our little ones from birth up through up through sixth grade, and a lot of our media stuff and and publicity stuff and website, which is we've got a brand new website and the app's coming real soon for your phone. So, uh, but she's been right hurt on all that stuff. Uh, this is patient. Patient uh, came into our ministry uh, it, it, during this year, really, and sent him to a discovery center that we run for church planters and decided that uh, he and your beautiful family want to be a part of our church for a while, which I praise God for. So, patient, take it away. You got five minutes. Uh, yeah, let me check. I got you on the clock. You're a little buzz when you're done. <laughs> there's, there's something that I'm sure about. It's that one day I'm going to die. But uh, I always think about how I want to die. And um, I always want to die empty. That means to give everything that I have and everything that is in me. And if I can die, let me die empty. Uh, this year was just amazing. I don't know if it's amazing in a good way or in a funny way, but on Easter Sunday, I received a call. Before that, a couple of days before we received the call, my wife and I, they were telling me that my dad was doing perfectly fine because he was sick for a very, very long time. And we sent him in South Africa because we come from Congo. And the doctor told us that he was doing fine and we were already putting money together to send him back home. And after that, to come in the U.S. to see the grandchild to see my daughter. But on Easter Sunday, I received a call by 3.21 in the morning. Do you know when your doctor called you around that time, nothing good come out from that. And I just realized that it was the end. Um, that means I lost my dad. And I've definitely become orphanage of mom and dad because my mom passed away 10 years ago. Now it was my dad. And yeah, I didn't know how to react. I didn't know what to say. It was just okay. Next thing, I could not cry because I was supposed to go back home, bring my dad back to Congo, bury him, and all of that. This is exactly what I did. The next week, I was in an airplane. I flew for 23 hours, get to Congo, do everything. My dad body arrived on the same day. They bury my dad. I was in an airplane, coming back in the U.S. Uh, I arrived two days later. I was just sick. I told my wife that something was wrong with me. But I decided to go spend time in the library at Fresno State because I have some funnels and paper that are supposed to finish. And I went and for some reason I finished all those papers. When I went home, I told my wife, I cannot take it anymore. What I realized, I was actually at the hospital for two weeks. But I learned something from that pastor call. I learned that sometimes those things that seems to be our problems, 
It's actually our solutions. This is what I learned. Because in the middle of that, I asked God the question, God, why? Because I told that I'm going to die. It was my turn that I will die. And then what actually even motivated me to think that I'm going to die is the fact that the doctor could not find nothing wrong with me. They took my blood, they sent that to Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. They sent some in San Francisco, uh, LA, UCLA. The result came back negative. And the doctor said, we never saw something like this. It's just crazy. But that was actually my solution. How? Because this is the day that I really knew that God was a Jehovah Rapha. Because the only way I knew that, I heard the preacher preach about that a lot. I preached that myself. But that was the day that I realized that if it was not for the Lord, I'm not going to stand here. I'm not going to be alive. I cannot be here talking to you guys. But God allowed me to go through that. So I will know that he was actually a Jehovah Rapha. He showed me that he's a Jehovah Jireh. Because it's not easy to go back home. It cost a lot of money. It was not easy to bury my dad because we spent, we did all. That means financially was very difficult. And I came back and I could not go back to work because they paid me per hour, but I was at the hospital. And then it was just crazy. But God was amazing. He just showed me that patient I'm a Jehovah Jarrah, the provider. And the only way I can knew that it was a Jehovah Jarrah was if I missed everything. And then that was actually proved that way. All those things seem to be problems for me, but it's actually my solution. And right after that, we find myself at home. A week later, I found myself in the Discovery Center where Pastor Carl sent me and my wife. And then we came back. Two weeks later, I was in a mission trip in South Africa. But this time, God also taught me something very amazing. That patient, you are not God. I'm God. Because I always go to the mission trip with the team, but I'm the one I preach the most. The last time we went, I think I preached about 15 times. But the last time I've been in a mission trip, I just preached twice. God told me I'm the one in control, not you. That means you were sick? Yes, I can raise other people and they can preach. Maybe better than you. I said, God, yes, I learned my lesson. And that's why I say this year was just an amazing one. And uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Oh, patient. I, patient. Oh, I love you, man. I love your heart. I love your energy. I'm going to uh, Congo and South Africa, according to the Lord's will, with patient. That's going to be a fun trip, man. We're going to we're get in some trouble together. Rick has been with me since day one, before day one, before any of you except for my family. He was with me. Uh, it's been a long time. He's the, he is the flip side OG, man. I love you, buddy. Well, thanks, Carl. <clears throat> yeah, those early days, I remember getting together at the Denny's at Jensen Avenue and um, just in our, our first conversations about about what was to become Flipside Church. And I asked him, so what's the church going to be called? And he says, I don't know. And I was, I'm like, okay, cool, cool. And, um, and uh, yeah, I was just uh, reflecting on the, on, the, uh, 
on the changes that, that we, we, we have experienced since uh, it was late 2004 when we when we first uh, got together to to talk about this church um, September 11th of this year flipside turned 14 but back in 2004 2005 you and I were were still in our 30s which is crazy he didn't have hair then either but I had less silvery hair than I do. Um, at the time that we started Flipside, um, the Robbins children were 10, 9, 6, and 4. And now they're 24, 23, 20, and 19. Um, which is great because I'm not actually legally required to take care of them anymore. I'm just, it's just, you know, grace that I extend. And I remember, I remind them of that all the time. Um, for the last uh, 12 years in, in, in my day job as a, as a teacher in Reedley, that was Emmanuel High School, who actually beat Liberty this year in, in, in football. Hey, this is the first and probably last time I can ever celebrate that. So once every two decades, whether we deserve it or not. So, um, but, but um, this, is, this is the first time in 12 years, this school year, that, that I haven't had one of our, our uh, children as a student. Um, as a... Matter of fact, um, at the beginning of the, the, this school year, I had a student ask, "Mr. Robbins, do you have any children?" And it, it's like, "Yes, yes, I do." Mm, do any of them like sing or, or stuff? And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, they sing a bit, but it's just kind of weird times um, because for the last." Uh, you know, about 25 years here, our 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 um, job as husband and wife has been to raise our children, and it's like you got to just keep feeding them and keep caring for them, and someday they will be on their own. And uh, we now have three kids in college, and it's it's just such a strange experience to be. focused on on that objective for so long and it's not that we I'm, I was just joking earlier I mean we do still care for them and we love them <laughs> love you kids thanks dad but, but um, it's 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 just it's so odd to to have the same focus and for all of them to reach adulthood for us, it's like, well, now what do we do, right? Do any of you, <laughs> I see heads going, mm-hmm. And um, in, in looking at Psalms 118, uh, 
verse 24, it starts with, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And then on in verses 28, 29, uh, David writes, you are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And that is really our, our current and future objective is to, is to thank and honor God. Good job, OG. Right on, Rick. This is Charlie, and she heads up a lot of our, the internal organization and um, quality stuff that we do here at the church. And um, take it away, Charlie. Okay. So, I cry a lot. <laughs> um, we've, like Carl said, we've had a rough few years, and starting 2019, I was thinking, this is going to be the year that's just going to be good. It's going to be a good year. And within hours of that, we lost our nephew. And it just ended up being the hardest year of them all as a family. It just seems like we've, we've been through it. We've had a lot of loss and a lot of just awful things to go through as a family. Um, and we kind of thought we were coming into the other end of that and um, things were going to start looking up. Things were going to start getting easier. And it just, um, it just didn't make sense. And if we were not a family that has seen so many um, miracles and just seen God's sovereignty over and over and over, it would have probably been a year that we couldn't have gotten through. But but God has shown up in little ways and big ways as he always does. And I just have, like Jeff said, I have high hopes of 2020 just being a better year. Um, and that's about all I have. <laughs> I know that um, past years seem to have culminated in last year. Um, and I've seen it from the outside. I experienced it more personally last January 1st. And I want you guys to know that we love you. And we're still walking with you in it. Um and I'd like the chance to pray for you and your family. Can I do that? Yeah. 
Father, I thank you for Charlie. And I thank you for BJ and Peyton and Bailey and Brody. Jeremy and Tracy. Kayla and Chloe. And all the Harlots. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the promise of peace that passes understanding. And I thank that you have never left us nor forsaken us. And I thank you for your faithfulness to Bryce. And that he got to experience Christmas with you. Uh, and I thank you that you hold him close. And Father, I thank you that you hold us close. And I thank you for a church that comes along with people, both in rejoicing and mourning. And Father, I ask in the strong name of Jesus that as life continues to pass day by day by day, that you continue day by day by day to show yourself faithful and let us see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Thank you for an eternity that is unshakable and for a life on earth that can be with you. I pray that you would give the Harlows rest and respite and renewal and rejuvenation that you would show yourself as a resurrection and a life in them. And for that, God will give you thanks. In your name I pray, amen. Heather, you're up. You got five minutes. Uh, by the way, I'm Heather, and let me tell you what I do at the church since he didn't tell you. You can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> cut my mic. I don't know why they cut my mic when I'm not. You do whatever you want to uh, okay. do. You make the rules. You know that. Thanks for acknowledging it. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I've been here for seven years, and this year, um, my job title actually changed halfway-ish through the year-ish. It was like whenever things started changing around here. So um, I took over a different position, which was a little bit scary um, and um, exciting at the same time. Um, but I don't do change well. I don't know about the rest of you. Um, and by not well, like, I don't do it at all. Like, <laughs> I'll just stay in something that's really bad because I know that ugly. So I'll just stay there. <laughs> And it's comfortable. Um, but um, this has been a year of a lot of change, as Carl said. Um, and something else I'll let you in on. Um, if you've been here in years past, I've talked about um, fear has controlled my life quite a bit. I know I come across as like this, I don't know, crazy person most times. Um, <laughs> and um, that I'm always happy. But fear kind of has the control of my life. Um, I live in fear a lot of things, and um, I'm always waiting for the shoe to drop. <laughs> I'm a pessimist. I'm sorry. I really am. I try to put on something else, um, but I'm just like, it can't stay good. It just won't stay good, which is not a good way to live, but I birthed somebody who is completely different than that, <laughs> which is great to have in my house, and I'm married to somebody who is completely different than that, so thank you, John, for that, um, but this year, 
I decided not to be a pessimist, and um, I was more convinced this year of God's faithfulness to us, um, and I saw him show up in some major ways this year. We, Carl told you we got a house. We have wanted to, um, we've been homeowners for 20 years. We've lived in Madeira, Madeira, I know. Or the hood. Um, some of you already knew that. Um, we've been illegally, <laughs> I can say it now, illegally bringing our child to GVUSD. <laughs> you can record that since kindergarten. Um, <laughs> and now we don't have to cross the tracks anymore. Um, so um, we've wanted to live here for a long time, and our daughter thought it would never happen, and we found a house out here. Um, and I said that I would trust God and not because I would just stay there. I, I didn't like that house. I wasn't happy. I was driving forever. I was miserable. But you know what? I knew it. And so I just, I'll just stay there. It'll be fine. Um, but I decided I would completely, I would completely trust God that he has, he would not ever let me down. So I don't know why I'm waiting for that. Um, and um, I told him that I would sing his praises throughout it. So you guys, we, listed our house and bought a house we did it all in 30 days like it was <laughs> it was a whirlwind but it was the uh, he opened every door and I just put my head down I just kept walking <laughs> and um I didn't get fearful at all during the entire thing and he showed up ugh, in amazing amazing ways and through that um we did really well on our house I'm not trying to brag on it but we did good on our house and um we decided we would tithe 10% of our house sales. And without talking to each other, John and I both had it on our heart to give it to Tita. And the exact same amount, like God just, yeah. He put it right on our hearts, exactly what we wanted to give. And it's more than we've ever had in our bank account in 20 years together. Um, talk about a gut check moment because it's like to write that check was like <laughs> but to do it and then to turn around and to see the faith that our daughter showed in giving away her paycheck for the next 10 months and I told her you got a cell phone to pay for <laughs> like every good mother um and she told me don't you make me question my generosity uh-huh. So I grounded her. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but it was, it was as if God was like, girl, don't you? He speaks to me through that sweet girl all the time. Um, but I want to tell you real quick, and I know I'm running short on time. I got to tell you about a miracle. It happened. I got to tell you about a miracle. I, oh, I'm taking one of Charlie's minutes. Okay. I'm taking, I got to tell you guys about a miracle because I said I would talk about this. I don't know if any of you follow um, uh, Ostomy Boy on Instagram. Um, it's my nephew, Carson. Um, that kid has been through the ringer. And earlier this month, he got very, 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 very sick. Very sick. And we thought we were losing him. And we didn't, they didn't know what was going on. And... Um, he took such a turn so very, very quickly. And my amazingly strong sister <sighs> proclaimed 
that God would show up and commanded that he show up and that he heal Carson and that he give the doctors the wisdom to fix him. You guys, in 24 hours, that little boy bumping those gums walked out of that hospital as if nothing had happened. Legit a miracle. People ask, well, what was wrong with him? We have no clue. Still no clue exactly what it was or how it got fixed or what happened other than God showed up in that room and fixed him. So we get a chance to meet that kid, meet that kid. Um, but I just want to say, God has been super faithful. He will continue to be faithful. And I'm really sorry I cried and I still wonder Charlie's minutes. Okay. <laughs> Good job, Heather. I'm proud of all these guys up here. And I'm proud that they kind of pull the curtain back and let you see their walk with Jesus. And that it's not always easy. And it's not always like you hoped it would go. And oftentimes it comes, the reality of that faith comes through things that you don't prepare for and don't see and don't want to happen. Um, I love you guys. I'm proud of you. I think if I could boil my year down into things that I've, I've learned and learned about God, it's more of a relearning. And through... Um, the way the year started um, and watching my sons struggle with Al when Bryce is passing I'm not going to play games anymore until it's what happened um, just struggle with the emotion of that the grief of that my own fear over my own wife trying to walk with my staff through life. Um, and trying to uh, pastor in a way that was authentic and not fake. It was again driven back uh, to the foundation and the standard of God's Word. And I have two Bible verses I, I wrote on post-it notes and I taped them on my Bible. And my Bible is held together by tape. Um, there's most, most parts of it just come out. Um, it's probably my most treasured possession on this earth. Uh, and uh, I have two verses here. And I'm not going to use any of my slides. I don't care. I just... Deuteronomy 32:47 says these words are not idle words for you they are your life and by them you will live long in the land and what i was impressed upon again by the holy spirit is these words these are not idle words and it's by these words that i have life and it's by these words that my family has life. And it's by these words that sustain my future. Because everything else in the midst of 2019 was changing. And it wasn't always for the better from our perspective. And it was so chaotic at times. And it got to the points where there were moments when I'm in my office and I just didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to see anybody. I don't want my staff asking me questions. 
And there was a few times that a few of them would say, are you doing okay? And I said, no, I'm really not. And, and I would get angry and I would get sad. And it was just, you ever had those, well, it was just too much? Like there's no break? Late January, I was down south doing a discovery center with our group. And, and one of my best ministry guys asked me, how you doing? I said, honestly, it feels like God's God is his heel on my throat. And I just want him to step off. And I know that's not a real biblical nice picture of God, but that's how it felt. And I had to say, in the midst of everything that's changing and everything that's difficult, what is solid? And I came back to this verse. These are not idle words, Carl. These words are your life. And then God brought me to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12, and it says, in, For I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. God says, I'm alive, Carl, and I'm active, Carl, and I'm watching over my words that are not idle, and I will perform my word. And there were so many times this year when I had to say, God, I don't get it and I don't like it and I don't know, but I'm holding you to your word. And if you're watching over this, you have to perform it. You have to. Because there have been those moments in this year when I'm like, I, it's out of my control. If I could control it, it would go better. I'm just telling you that, right? But I can't control it. And it's not going better. And I had to go back and say, God, if your word is true, if these are not just idle words, you have to watch over it and you have to perform it. And this is what I've come back to every day of 2019. Every day. And every day I start my prayers. Father, these are not idle words. They're my life. And by them I trust you. And I say every day, you're watching over your word. Now perform it. You understand what I'm saying? My encouragement to us, us as staff and us as a church. I'm telling you. Ricky, you get the band up. I'm telling you. This right here, this right here is not a fairy tale. And it's not folklore. And it's not an ancient thing. It is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut through joint and bone and marrow to divide between thoughts and intents of the heart. It is not idle. It is alive. And by this right here is our life. By this right here is our present. And by this right here is our future. And everything else will falter and fade away. The grass, grass withers and the flower fades, but God's Word remains forever. This right here, these are not idle words. They are your life. 
And God watches over them to perfect and complete and accomplish His Word in life and in death. Do you understand what I'm saying? My encouragement for us is that we don't back off and we don't slow down and we turn not to the right nor to the left. That we center ourselves once again and we on this. And in 2020, we don't stop this. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is your gift from God to you. This is the revelation of Himself. And it is alive. And if you want to live through this life, and not just make it, but really live, center yourself right here. Do you understand? I hope you notice that every one of us on this platform, when life seemed to conspire against us, was brought back to the idea that, God, I will praise you in the midst of it, and you're still sovereign, and I'm going to trust you at what you said. It doesn't mean everything went great, especially this year. It doesn't mean everything went well, especially this year. But there is a God behind it, and this is real. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pray with me. Father, thank you.